Welcome back, everybody, to the House of Hustle podcast presented by Charlie Hustle through Sports Radio 810. Great to have you back. It's been a little while since we've had a podcast. We have our first guest today, Stephen. I'm very excited uh, to welcome in our first guest here in a minute. But, uh, you know, a lot of good college basketball going on around uh, the, the local parts here in Kansas City with Mizzou, K-State, Kansas, uh, right in the mix there uh, in the top 25 and, and Big 12 SEC. Both leagues are very, very competitive it's been fun watching these college basketball games and, and seeing these teams, especially K-State beating Kansas uh, in Manhattan. Mizzou gets a big win against Arkansas at home. Uh, we got some big games coming up as well, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, and of course, uh, House of Hustle brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle. And uh, we have a promo code for our listeners to use if they would like to purchase uh, some great apparel at Charlie Hustle to represent whatever school, whatever team that you support that you root for, uh, just use that code House of Hustle, House of Hustle, and you can get 15% off the collegiate collection uh, at uh, House of Hustle, at uh, Charlie Hustle, charliehustle.com. House of Hustle is that promo code. So if you want Mizzou, if you want K State, KU, UMKC, whatever college that you support, you can get 15% off the uh, collegiate collection. Uh, at Charlie Hustle by using the code House of Hustle, Jared Sutton. Yeah, House of Hustle, and a big shout out to uh, to the group at, at Charlie Hustle that makes this podcast possible. Um, they got some new gear out too for the for the uh, the playoff run here for the Chiefs, and they got some some new gear from from Kansas and K State. So great opportunity to get your uh, your merchandise here as we gear up for uh, an AFC Championship game in Kansas City. But let's uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our our, our first ever guests on the uh, the House of Hustle podcast. Bringing in um, a man that uh, was a, a teammate of mine, a roommate of mine. He is a, a brother now. Um, he is a, a player at Missouri from 2008 to 2013, a part of five NCAA tournament teams. Uh, finished second, I believe, in block shots. I think he's still second all time for Mizzou. Um, how about five NCAA tournaments and then went on to play professionally overseas. Uh, had a really great career in a Missouri uniform and now doing a lot of work in Columbia, it's my man Lawrence Bowers. Lawrence, what's going on? Jay Sutt, what's good, man? Glad to be here. Season, how you doing? Appreciate the time. And, and like like Mike Anderson would say, you got a guy like a Lawrence Bowers on that's the right. right now. That's so right. That's what we like. <laughs> <laughs> the Memphis. I'm going to see. I'm going to see Coach A um, at the end of February. Nice, nice. I just saw Coach A not that long ago. Um, he's had some some big wins this year. Let's start there because I think it's it's good to kind of paint the picture of how you got to Mizzou. That's uh, that's always kind of a good story of coming from Memphis, the tie to Coach A, and why you you chose right. chose Mizzou. Um, let's go back to yeah. your, your time in Memphis, man. Um, why Mizzou, and was was Mizzou always your your top option when you were uh, when you were being recruited at high school? Absolutely not. So Mizzou was. I mean, I knew of Coach Anderson and Coach Cleveland. But uh, I wanted to go to Arkansas, man. I was committed to Arkansas and basketball. Uh, when Stan Heath was the coach there, I was in 10th grade. And then um, Stan Heath got let go, and John Pelfrey was hired. And John Pelfrey essentially told me that he didn't want me. And that was kind of a punch to the gut. But, you know, luckily I was being recruited by other schools. And Mike Anderson and TJ Cleveland were super persistent. And I knew that the ties that Mike had with my uncle, my youngest uncle, Arlen Bowers, who played at Arkansas, and I knew that he was familiar with my family. And I knew that the guy would take care of me. 
and I trusted him, and that's what ended up, you know, being my ultimate decision as far as coming to the University of Missouri. So your our, our freshman year, right? You get to you get to Mizzou, and I always tell people this: no expectations on that team in 2008, 2009, going into that season, right? You're a freshman. Uh, there was a lot of issues that I think that were taking place the year prior that I think Coach A was really trying to change the culture of the program. Um, lucky to have great seniors in, in Damari Carroll and Leo Lyons and Matt Lawrence and Mike Anderson Jr. But when you arrive on campus, what was your, you know, your first impressions of, of getting to Columbia, you know, getting those, those first practices? Me and you met uh, at, a, at a familiar walk-on tryout um, that I will always remember. <laughs> that I will always remember. But I just kind of want to go back to the start of that season because that's when it all starts for us uh, in terms of yourself and Marcus and Kim and Steve and, and our group that uh, that came in that year. What was uh, what was kind of your first thoughts uh, when you set foot on campus, getting ready for that season? My first thoughts were, I'm athletic, but I'm not strong. Yeah. And the guys that are playing my position who are in front of me are very strong. Um, so I remember calling back home and telling my mom and uncle, I'm like, man, I'm just physically weak compared to these dudes. But I didn't let that deter me. Um, I worked hard and kept working. And although I didn't play as much my freshman year, there were games where, you know, Coach Anderson would throw me in there and let me play over 10 minutes. And there were two games in particular my freshman year that stood out. And they were Big 12 games, Oklahoma State and, uh, I'm sorry, Colorado and uh, Kansas State. And I had like 16 points and eight rebounds or something like that. So that those two games in particular, my freshman year, let me know that, hey, I belong as long as I get stronger. And it's kind of a deja vu for me. And I know I'm skipping ahead, but looking at a kid like Aiden Shaw. Yeah. Very similar situation, right? Um, can play athletic. Um, there's some things that he got to get stronger in, but if he stayed a course like I did, I think we'll see a lot of improvement and, um, you know, next year could be great. So that freshman year, man, it was just, it was good learning. I had the likes of DeMar Carroll, Leo Lines, and Keith Ramsey, Justin Stafford. I learned a lot from those guys. I soaked it in and I kept working. And that next year was my coming out year. So, so be honest, when you first saw, Jared Sutton, when he was trying out for the basketball team, right? Here's this this fresh faced young man uh, with a with a good head of hair, and and I don't know I don't know what what your first impression was of him, but when you saw before you saw him actually play and try out, what were you thinking when you saw Jared Sutton for the first time? Well, when I saw him, I was like, "Damn, this head is so big." <laughs> but. Um... No, uh, <laughs> uh, his shoes, man. Yep. He had on these. He had on these light blue Adidas, and I'm just thinking to myself, this dude really wore those shoes because number one was this is black and gold, and he comes in here with these light powder blue shiny Adidas, and um, you know he had his hair slicked back. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't pay him too much attention on first glance, but then he started doing his thing, and I'm like, man, I like this kid. So start cracking jokes like, like I always do. And um, he ended up making the team, and we've been best friends ever since. The uh, the, the blue shoes were my, my high school team shoes, uh, at the, and they had, like, holes in the sides of them. I was Oak just, Park. Yep, I was bringing the Oak Park Thunder there for uh, for my walk-on tryout. But uh, 
Jared, Jared is the best player in Oak Park history, even better than O'Shea Abacha. Wow, that's a that's a statement. A lot right of there. people don't I appreciate realize. it. I don't, I don't <laughs> agree with that, but it's a so, statement. So you said, you know, you know, Mike Anderson, you you thought that he would be the kind of coach who would take care of you, and I'm curious, and maybe you guys both can answer this. If I ask you to give me a couple of words to describe Mike Anderson, whether it's the coach or the man or the mentor. Give me, give me some words that, that maybe the, the general public or fans would not know um, about him or something that you some shed some light on why he's considered to be such a special person that, that you continue to have a relationship with to this day. I think, um, I think the first word, and this is something that we preach as a, as a unit, as a, as a whole, um, the first word would come would be family. And the reason why I say that is, you know, to this day, I talk to Coach Anderson at least once or twice a month. Just, you know, him calling me or I call him just to check in. Um, I always felt secured. You know, he was more like a father figure for me away. Maybe I, you know, leaned on him or relied on that a little bit too much because of the absences I had in my life growing up with my dad. But he just kind of fit that mold for me. And, um it's, it's still, it still feels like family. You know, him and TJ Cleveland are in New York. My my family, we're going there in February to visit. And uh, that's just how it feels good. It feels right. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think family is all, always going to be number one when you talk about Coach A. Um, and Lawrence hit on it. I mean, you see the man now and 34 years old and, you know, working in basketball. And, and to have a relate every time I see him, you know, just this big smile and a hug and, uh, I had a chance to watch some games with him this summer at a at an event uh, in Orlando, and he just went out of his way just to sit next to me for a couple hours, and we just talked ball and life and family, and you know he really wanted to get to know um, my fiance, who he's never met, but he he knew I was getting engaged, and I mean I just feel like he he just kind of dropped everything just to spend time with me, quality time, same with T.J. Cleveland, but I would add to Lawrence's comment just about family. I, I think the man um, he is tough, and he and I know tough gets used a lot. But I, when I think of Coach A, I think of a tough, tough, tough dude. And dating back to when he was a player himself, I think he's very authentic. I think he's genuine. And I think there's a level of humility that he has that really rubs off. Um, and, and there's no excuses with him either. And it was always kind of plastered in our weight room about play hard, act right. But it was, the no excuse mentality was real. And I always felt like, you know, Coach A, when playing for him, you know, it felt like your boss, right? I mean, you had a good relationship with him, but – Every day was, you know, practice sometimes was harder than the games. And I think <laughs> I give him a hard time because I think he's probably eased off of that a little bit. And he's on social media now. And, like, he, you know, couldn't stand social media back in the day. Um, so he's had to evolve and mold a little bit to, to modern times. But I just think when we were there, I mean, we, we had some, some tough, tough practices where he really wanted to see what we were made of. And it also created an environment for us. And, Lawrence, you, you tell me if you agree with this or not. But in the summers, summer was so different because now they have practice times. And it, it, you, you ha it's a, they're just the way the NCAA does this now, it's totally different. But when we were there, we had to, you know, we had times to lift with our, our strength and conditioning coaches. But then we had to do, you know, pick up on our own. And I just remember the summers were a blast because it would be so competitive in our pickup games, and that's what Coach A wanted. Those are the guys that he really looked at when he recruited, and he brought in guys that were high-character guys, high-integrity guys, guys that loved it, 
guys that maybe had a chip on their shoulder or, or you know overlooked or under recruited. That's a lot of the guys that now Mizzou fans look back on as as legends. And Lawrence is one of those guys. Um, so th- I think it just gets back to, and I thank Coach A every time I see him too. Um, and I know he probably you know thinks like you always say this, but I do. I I thank him for bringing in the guys that he brought in. And you know sitting here talking with one of my best friends of all time, and I met him as a teammate. You know we when we got to Kings from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, and we meet in, and and he brought us together. Because um, he identified traits in in the in the people that he brought in, because he had to change the culture. It was very important for him when he was at Mizzou to take the year prior to us getting there and changing what went on. And I, I don't think that gets talked about enough of the impact Coach A made on that program our freshman year, but the changes he made moving forward. I know going to Arkansas hurt, but I, I just felt like what where he had the program at when he left. It was humming, and it didn't work out, unfortunately. But I just felt like that 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 our freshman year, that year, I think for him, solidified himself as a coach and what he was doing, and tried to build a program. See, but you say all these things, and so, so to me, what what strikes me, and you you hit on that there just at the end. You know, I remember just from a perspective of covering the team and watching the team, how how difficult it was for fans, and how angry fans were. Yeah, when Mike Anderson left for Arkansas. And so you guys have, have, have multiple times uh, said family. And, and Lawrence, you're talking about him as being a father figure. Uh, for, for, a, for a young man, and you guys, and we, we, don't, we forget about this because we just look at basketball as a sport and we don't think about what goes in behind the scenes in building a program and the relationships you have with the coaches and with each other. And so for someone that viewed him as a father figure, and looked upon uh, him as his family. How difficult was that for both of you guys when he left and he went to Arkansas? Because I can't imagine that would be easy to hear that and and to know that you were going to stay and he was going to go, or maybe you were thinking about leaving. Take me back to that and how difficult that was, Lawrence, for you to deal with. Well, I was, you know, I always get joked at because I cried. I literally cried um, when he, when he told us the news in the locker room. I took it the hardest, I think. Um, and truth be told, had Mike Anderson left one year before, I would have went with him. So um, I took it really, really hard, man. Like I said, I I had a, a level of trust with him, and, and I confided in Coach A more than most men that have ever been in my life. So for me, it was tough. Um, but ultimately, I stuck it out, which was a great decision. Um, because, uh, you know, my, my brotherhood with, with Jared and, and Mark and, and Kimmy and Steve, you know, that, that was just something I couldn't walk away from at that point in time. So it was difficult, but at the end of the day, what I've learned is that, and this maybe has come with me, you know, with maturation, people have to do what's best for themselves. And for Mike Anderson, at, in that particular point of his career, that was the best move for him. So I don't hold that over his head. I don't fault him. It hurt when it happened. Um, but, I mean, Arkansas was home for him. He spent 18 years there as an assistant coach, won a national championship. You know. So it was home, and I understood it. But it didn't make it feel any better at that moment. So it was, it was difficult. But obviously I love Mizzou. Hell, I moved back here after retiring. And, um, you know, that was the greatest decision I ever made in 2008 was to come here. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, uh, Lawrence hit on it. Um, I will never forget Coach A 
first off, we got knocked out of the NCAA tournament. And at that point, I had heard some of the rumors out there, but I, I didn't really believe it. Um, I knew it was out there, and I knew, obviously, the the history that Coach A had at Arkansas. But I, I just felt like there was this this bond. But it, it, it was a learning point for me um, in just understanding the business, you know, of basketball. And Lawrence hit it on the head. Like, he had to do what was best for his family, and there was a lot of situation, there, a lot of part of that situation that uh, – Probably doesn't get talked about enough about other things that were going on that I think Coach A um, led to the decision for him and his family to go back to Arkansas. But just in that moment of Coach A telling us that he was leaving his win, um, it really just hit me very hard as well. Um, That was a moment where, you know, he tells us he's leaving and then he's gone. I mean, that's it. There's no, like... You know, you he hangs around. I mean, it, it was a he's take he's he's taking the Arkansas job. Um, you know, I know he said a lot of great things to us, but I, it was almost like I it was an out of body experience because I don't, I just was in shock a little bit. Um, and maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was, and it, it did hurt. And I will never forget the weeks that followed um, with just the rumors that were going around on the coaching search. And I didn't even want to think about the coaching search because it felt like losing a family member, truly. And it's not just Coach A either. Um, it's Jeff Daniels. It's TJ Cleveland. Cleveland. It's Matt Zimmerman. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a loss there of of people that um, that really meant uh, a lot in in your life and not just on a basketball court but off the floor as well as a family environment with with those families Melvin Watkins as well and coach coach Watkins family and you know the the kids that we got to know at, at a young age that you know grew up uh, before our eyes that are now in college and out of college like it was a family environment and that made it hard 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 to deal with but you know, you got to move on. And I and I think now the perspective I have is when all these coaching names get thrown around every year in all sports where a coach is going to leave, I don't think people understand the impact that makes on players and, and this, just the, the, the level of trust that's there that it's so hard to see your coach leave. And that, to me, made it made it uh, such a challenging time and a moment I'll, I'll never forget because um, Coach A was the reason I am where I am today. He's the reason why I, was at, I met him at a rec center, right? I mean – he was my guy, and he still is my guy. He's the number one reason um, why I was able to play in college. He's the number one reason why I've been able to, you know, find my my you know post playing career in in the sport. He's just been that type of figure in my life, and and um, I'm glad I had three years with him. That, that's the best way to say it. It's still like so. I feel like we're all telling the truth here. So it's yeah. <laughs> an open conversation. Yep. Again, we have Lawrence Bowers as our guest. So you mentioned the coaching search, and like from the outside looking in, that that. It seemed like a disaster. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Matt Painter's going to be the head coach. Hey, no, he's not. And 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 so, right? right. And I can't right. imagine what it's like for you guys if you're even following along. But then it ends up being Frank Haith. And the fan base was like, Are you, mm-hmm. what, what happened to Matt Painter? Now, Frank, what, what, what's, what's happening right now? And so for you guys, how was that received? And I, I always remember that, that – press conference where Kim English said reconciled by winning and just got up and stormed off and everyone's, you know, like, mm-hmm. this is, this is emotional. Yeah. But so like, how was, how was Frank Haith received? Like when, when he comes in, Lawrence like, okay, I, I like this guy. He, he's, I feel good about this. Was it, was it, did it take a while? Like what was your reaction maybe when you first sat down and, and met the new head coach? I think Kimmy, um, I think Kimmy described it perfectly. You know, when he said reconciled by winning, I don't care if we would have got Coach Joe Smo from whatever. You know, <laughs> at that point in time, we were so motivated 
not for any coach that would have came in the building, but to win for us. And I think Frank Hayes, when he came in, I mean, you had five guys, five starters who have already experienced success. You had Mike Dixon. You had Phil Pressey. You had got Jared Sutton, the, the, the goat of all Mizzou walk-ons. Ben Sternberger might have something to say about that. But um, <laughs> guys who knew what winning felt like. And Coach Hayes understood that. He didn't try to come in with, like, this ego. He, he did a very good job of making sure that we stayed on the path that we had set out for ourselves. And he was just a great addition. I mean, he brought in some very energetic assistant coaches. Um, you know, he brought in a mastermind, Ernie Nestor. You know, Tim Fuller was like, you know, one of us. He was young, and, and we related to him. Um, so, you know, and Sador Pandolf, who I tell everybody was my favorite coach of all time. He's one of them, you know. Um, outside of Coach A, you know, Coach Hayes was great. Um, but, you know, they brought in a great staff, and I think um, they were well-received because they didn't try to – overtake what had already been implemented. And if you talk with Mike Anderson, he'll tell you the same thing. You know, him and Frank Hayes are good friends. And despite my senior night game where there was some antics, you know, when we played Mike Anderson for the first time since he left, um, Frank gives credit to Mike. I mean, he, he inherited a team that was an NCAA tournament team, you know, and uh, he, he was really good with his X's and O's and his game plans. I tell people all the time that Frank Hayes was a great coach, you know, because people try to understate it because, like I said, we were already well old. But Frank Hayes had a really, really big part in our success that year. And then you take into consideration that the starting four man got hurt and didn't even play the first year. Like, I sat out that year when Frank Hayes won Big 12 Coach of the Year and won the Big 12 Championship. So he had to make adjustments, and he did a great job with that. Um, So my time with Frank Hayes, it was great, man. I still talk to him and Miss Pam. And, um, you know, they're both living in Memphis now. So when we go back home, we're going to try to link up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's all family, not just with Coach A, but with the, the Hayes family as well. They they were great to me and my family and my teammates, and I love them forever. You guys remember that, that little dust-up during the game? When Hayes like, don't talk to my players. He kind of went after Mike Anderson. And Mike, it looked like Coach A like had that look like. <laughs> Come on. Now. You, really? You, really, you really going to do this? Go there? Yeah. You guys remember, like, like what, what were you thinking when you saw that? I mean, uh, well, oh, go, ahead, no, go ahead, Elbow. Go ahead. No, you got, you got, you got, you got. No, I just, I was gonna say, like, I, I just think the one thing that I appreciate about both the guys, um, in their, in their, in separate ways, is they're both highly competitive too, right? right? Like, so I, I'm, I wasn't all that shocked that it happened. But they were friends. They were friends too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Are, you, are you serious? I also think. I give, I mean, Coach A, Coach A, I give a lot of credit to because he he does does give a lot of praise but to Coach the crowd A. I love to remember it was, it was they I did mean, people went crazy, and I, I just appreciate too that Coach A kind of when when he made the decision, which I think was hard for him, it was almost like tearing a bandaid off where he knew okay if I'm leaving, and these are my guys, and and you know he loved our group, he did, he loved everybody that he brought to Mizzou, that was hard for him to leave too. He was going to a new job, but. I think he wanted to break a little bit of a tie with us. Not not to say that you know we weren't going to be close after we were done playing. I think he wanted us to move on too. Um, so I, I think he wanted to kind of let Coach Haith do his thing. Um, but I think in that moment, it was like a little bit of him being a little competitive yeah. as well. Like, these are my guys, what'd, actually. So. What did you think of, uh, of that, Lawrence, when that happened? Um, I mean, it was <laughs> – I, I was busting their ass, man. Excuse my language. <laughs> 
and um, that was my that was my best game in, in a Mizzou uniform. So for me, it was just you know it was all nostalgia for me playing against my former coach, the guy that brought me here, having my best game ever. It was senior night, so I didn't really look too much into it. It actually kind of made me chuckle, to be honest. And um, me and Coach A, we talked about it right after the game. And uh, like I said, Frank and him are, are really good friends. So it was just spare the moment. Emotions were running high. Coach A told me, he was like, man, you guys are kicking our butts. And it was almost like Frank was trying to rub it in my face. And he's like, I ain't going out like that. I'm from the South. So uh, it, it was just fun and games for me, man. Uh, I look back on that time and, and just realize what, how special that moment was. And me and Coach A, we always talk about it when we get together. So. Um, I'm forever, I'm forever indebted to Coach A for the opportunity. You know, obviously it set the foundation for me. I'm, I'm back here and, you know, working with the university, and that wouldn't have been possible without him bringing me here. And, and Frank Hayes, you know, we had some really good times with him together. And um, yeah, I'm just thankful for both guys. And, and, okay, so and, and you brought up the injury that that you suffered uh, before his first <clears throat> season, and I and and like like when we talk about. Missouri fans and all the things that have happened that we look back and, and think, what if, right? Mm-hmm. The two that jump out to me is if, like, if what if Pig Brown never gets hurt from that great football team because he, he was a heart and soul of that defense, then I think they win the mm-hmm. national championship that year, right? And then just be right. honest, you bring that up, we, how good that team was, and what did they need? They needed Lawrence Bowers. And if, 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 and, and you could, I know <laughs> it, it sucks to think about, but it's true. Can you imagine what that team would have been if 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 you don't get hurt? Do you ever think back like I mean that that could have been a national championship team, right? Yeah, we we just talked about Jared just said ripping a bandaid off a wound, and that's exactly what you just did. So thank you. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. But that's right. how much respect no. I got for you. That's what you would have meant. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think about it all the time, man. Um, just the injury alone, you know, like what would my career have been? in the game of basketball. Um, I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to play pro after, but I didn't play in the NBA. Um, I played overseas, and, and that career was short-lived um, because that same knee that I injured in college just couldn't withstand the, the, the daily grind of playing in Europe, the tour days and all that stuff. So beyond that um, that season, just the injury alone, it was it was detrimental, man, to be honest with you. And, and I fought demons, I felt like, for years, just trying to cope with the understanding of why it happened to me and um, how, you know, my career may have uh, lasted way longer and on a higher level. But uh, going back to that Mizzou season, it was rough, man. Like, I, I, I did everything in my might to stay engaged and to be the ultimate teammate. Uh, for my for my guys because it was bigger than basketball. You know, like I said, those are my brothers. And um, I always wanted to represent myself, my family, the university, and my brothers in a high fashion. So that's why I opted into trying to dress up for every game and just being an extension of the coaches' staff. So it was tough. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. When we lost to Norfolk State in particular, I remember just being in the locker room just crying, man. I, there was just – this sense of guilt that I had, and and I know that wasn't fair to do to myself, but I, you know, I just couldn't help but think like, man, had I played that game, we had a better shot of winning, because truth be told, their size hurt us that game. They were hitting shots off the backboard and all that stuff. But if you go back and look at the tape, their physicality really bothered us. Yep. And uh, that point guard Tavares, um, what was his name? Tim Darvis. Um, I can't remember his last I can't name. Remember either. 
Um, but anyway, he was six seven, so they were a big team. And um, you know, having me there, that I think that would have really, really helped. So it was rough, man. And um, you know, I go back to the day when it happened, when the, when one of my teammates threw me a, a arid pass. We're not going to talk about who it was. Um, and I came down, and I knew that that season was over. It was it was rough. But all in all, I still had a really good career at Mizzou. I, I, I can humbly say that. And uh, the way it all played out, man, I'm thankful. All right, so two things real quick we got to get get into. Number one, shout out to Lawrence in terms of his, his skill set. He had some of the best hands in terms of catching passes, like, you know, the degree of difficulty catches. Like, his highlight dunks right. speak for themselves, like, number one on ESPN. What am I about to hear right so, now? So... There was a pass that led to his injury that was a catch that Lawrence Bauer – tell me that you don't make that catch nine times, 95% I'm not, of the I'm time. not hearing who made the pass. It, it was uh, – yeah. it was, it was cor- I was in the corner. Uh, I was doubled in a, in a, in, in a, in a practice. So he's snitching on himself right now. Yeah. I'm, so it, it was – I threw a pass to Lawrence, and I was trying to lead him to the rim. He was he was rim running and oh I was pressured God. and the pass led him and he went to reach for it and that's where the uh, the injury ensued which then led to the next day not to fast forward because I want Lawrence to kind of hit on all this but th- then the next day you weren't I don't you weren't there at, at, at the practice Lawrence I don't think I think you were getting you were back in the treatment room but coach coach Haith brought us together on the floor and told us that Lawrence you know had torn his ACL and. You could have heard a pin drop. I mean, it was just like guys were legitimately mad. I mean, it was just like a a, a feel. And you talk about guilt. Like, did you feel guilty for? I mean, I felt guilty. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely did. It, I mean, it's my best friend on the team. I mean, that's the hardest part, right? And he's an impact player for us. And he's a guy that had you know paid his dues and you know came off the bench as a freshman in spot minutes and was great. I mean, just embraced every role that he had to play and, and did it in the most unselfish way. So it's just, yeah, it was absolutely crushing. And I mean, you know, it, it, I think the best thing about it was Lawrence. I, I, I felt like he was, you know, he had every right to probably be mad at me for throwing that pass. But I, I think the weeks that followed and the months that followed, you know, he would joke with me with it about it. And I, I think he, you know, I think it was a way to kind of clear the air of like, Hey, it, it you know this could happen at any point too. Um, because Lawrence again, the guy, I've seen the guy catch totally you know hard, difficult passes around the rim. Where I'm like, how the heck did that dude catch that pass? So it, it was a freak thing, man. It was it was a, just a crushing bur- blow that I thought about all the time that year. Every time I'd look down the bench because Lawrence was just to the left of me and he'd be dapped up in a suit, which I had to teach him how to dress. Right, Lawrence? We'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> I'm, hey, look, I'm still learning from you, bro. Uh, but but I mean, learning. it was it was it was crushing though. I mean, it, it really was. It, it, the Norfolk State game, yeah. I mean, Lawrence could have helped us in a big way, but he could have helped us so many times. We won 30 games and we played a different style. Coach Hate deserves a ton of credit playing Kim at the four. We had a system in place. Ernie Nestor was fantastic on, on the defensive side of the ball. There were so many things about that team that was great. But Lawrence Bowers could have taken us to a whole other level as well. And, um, you know, that'll be something that, you know, always stings. I do think, Lawrence, this is what I wanted to get into, too, with you, is you're, you talked about Coach TP. Like, you changed your entire body, you know, over the course yeah. of that. You, you took that year, and you got stronger. Um, you look like a different – you look like a totally different dude on the floor by the time we moved to the SEC that first year. Um, that to me was what was so impressive, I think, about you sitting out that year and being an ultimate teammate, but 
the the grind, the work you put in to to add weight, which is something you always wanted to do the first three, and then all of a sudden you look and you you completely transformed your body and you improved in areas of your game and you came back stronger than ever. I think after the injury, um, what was kind of your thought press during that period, even to transition to that that last year, your fifth year? Well, the thing was, I had already been through a similar situation, but not involving an injury of that magnitude, right? So my freshman year, I didn't play much. And um, I knew that there were areas that I need to improve upon. So the same thing happens, you know, we fast forward to my senior year. I've been ruled out. I know I won't be able to play. So I automatically go into this mindset of what can I do to be a better player when I do step back on the floor. And um, just continuing to, you know, change my body, being stronger, that was number one. Um, and then for people that have dealt with ACLs, I think they can attest the mental part of it is, is, is really the most hurdling part. So, you know, how do I get back to the right mindset was number two. <clears throat> Excuse me. But number three was, you know, for, for three years, I've been known as a high-flying defensive slasher with a pretty good mid-range shot, you know, a good defender. The part of my game that was missing was me being an all-around offensive guy. So I think I might have made three three-pointers in my first three years at Mizzou total. So I'm like, you know what, I want to add that to my game. Um, I knew that I might not be as explosive coming back right away, so why not develop a three-point shot? Why not be able to take guys off the dribble and create for teammates? Not necessarily always looking to score, but – I worked on that stuff. I, you know, when when the guys went home over the summertime, I stayed I stayed put. I worked out. I uh, I hit the books a lot harder. And, you know, I told myself if I was going to be in school an extra year, I was a good student. Why not try to get a master's degree for free? So I ended up being able to do that. Me and you still, I think, are the two players that only do that in Mizzou basketball history. Yep. Um. So that was a lot of things that just kind of crossed my mind. I'm like, man, I got to get better in these areas. And when I came back that year. Um, you know, top 25 Nate Smith midseason player of the year. I was kicking butt, uh, hitting threes, just playing out of my mind. And then, unfortunately, I had another injury, which set me back again. So that last two years at Mizzou was full of adversity. But, you know, I look back at it. I'm proud of myself of how I handled it. And uh, it was unfortunate. It really was. Because who knows where my career could have been. What could be right now. I could still be playing. But uh, there's always um, – what, what, what's the saying? There's always beauty in the, in the, in the struggle. Yep. And, and that's kind of how I look at my situation when it comes to playing basketball at Mizzou. Lawrence, when you look at your, your fifth year, um, so we lose to Norfolk State, and, you know, it was kind of – it was tough because you're, you're a part of our class, right? I mean, that was who you came in with. Um, so you come back, and that, that experience that, that you bring – with Coach Haith moving from the Big 12 to the SEC, I think is like a real pivotal time in the program's history because we're leaving the Big 12, we're going to the SEC, um, and then we're bringing in, you know, Ernest Ross, Keon Bell, Alex Oriaki, you got Phil back, Jabari Brown. Your guys' team, we've talked about this, that's a talented, talented, talented team. Um, you know, mm-hmm. especially the pieces that you had, size, shooting, point guard play, um, What's kind of your thought on on that year, knowing I think going into the year, you would probably have said this team's got a chance to do something pretty special too just because of the, the talent there. Um, do you tie anything into, you know, some of those guys were sitting out, right? And, and now, like, with the transfer rules being so different, you know, where 
you can come right in and play. You know, I thought guys got better that 11-12 season, the one you set out, you know, with Jabari and Ernest and Keon on on scout team. You know, I played with them every day on scout team, and, and to see them get better and better as the year went on, I just think sometimes I can get overlooked in the year that you guys had and, and, and just the, the – I know not the, the finish you guys wanted, but a team that was, man, pretty talented when you look back on it uh, going into the first year of the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like you said, you had the life of Jordan Clarkson. I mean, this guy can yeah. have the case for being an NBA All-Star. You had him on the bench. You had Jabari Brown, who's one of the most prolific scorers that I've ever seen uh, in a college uniform. You had him on the bench. You had Keon Bell. He averaged 20-plus at Pepperdine. Um, you know, I, I hate the transfer portal the way it is. I think um, I think it is a cop-out. I think it's, it's, it has created a soft mentality, to be honest. Um, and I wish that they would go back to the, you know, you have to sit out one year. For first-time transfers, too, unless it's obviously some type of medical hardship or family matter. I just don't believe in running away, you know, um, because truth be told, everybody's been in those type of situations. I was in it my freshman year. I could have left. I didn't play much, could have left. Um, but I tucked my tail, put my head down, and just kept working. And that's the story of life. You know, when things get hard, do you run away or do you embrace it? Do you say, hey, I look in the mirror, I have to get better. And I think with the transfer portal being how easy it is, guys, you know, they have people in their ear who really aren't helping them. They're doing them a disservice. Um, They don't grow. They don't mature. You know, they always are going to have this mentality of, oh, I can just run to another situation. So having Jabari and those guys there, number one, it pushed. Kimmy and Marcus, I mean, they're playing against elite guys. And number two, that's a year to get better. You know, those guys, they were good guys, but they had to take a seat back and just continue to work on their body and doing all that stuff. And, I mean, it always pays off when you put in extra work. So the transfer portal now, I absolutely hate it, Yeah, if, if I'm just being honest. Yeah, I mean, I think the, there's reasons to transfer that we all know. We we knew guys that transferred from our program that transferred probably for the right reasons, but the, right reasons, right. yeah, exactly. There's just too many times where it's it's running from your own problems, or there's there's outside voices in your ear. Um, I think you know running from from your own self, I think, is a great way to say it. What's kind of your thought too? I know you know transitioning into to what you're doing now in an nil world. It's hard to kind of wrap my my mind around it, too, of what NIL would be like when we were in school, um, just because mm-hmm. I do think, like, team success drives mm-hmm. a lot, um, you know, and, I mean, obviously our, our fan base got to be behind our group because we stayed around, right? We had three, four-year guys, you know, in your case, fifth year, the, the fan base in the city of Columbia just kind of fell in love with our group and our teams, and, yeah, winning does do a lot, but I think it's also just the kind of the nature of – staying in school and staying with a program and, and showing your love for your school. I'm just curious, you know, now that you're working in NIL and doing a lot for the University of Missouri and the athletic department, what's kind of your, your thought there in terms of an NIL world where, you know, that's something that's you're, you know, getting into and, and you're learning all about and, and you're, you have all your resources and connections, but then also your, your thought just cause you're a former athlete and you're a former player too. And you get to see all this stuff and kind of think back to when you were going through, you know, the recruiting process and, and committing to Mizzou. I bet there's just a lot of thoughts of just where we are today with the NIL conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, for me, being in the position that I am as executive director of Every Two Tiger Foundation, um, but also being a former player 
who just so happens to be running a collective at his alma mater. I find myself being put in very difficult um, situations. And the reason why I say that, number one, I love my job. It's very intriguing. I know that what I'm doing is making a difference and um, very, very blessed to be in a position I'm in. But at the same time, you know, NIL does bring about transactional relationships. And that was not the case when I played. Everything was flat out genuine. I mean, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't speak to the genuity that we had uh, when it came to our love and passion and desire to play every day in front of a full sold out crowd and wear that tiger on our chest. So um, it, it's difficult in regards to knowing that some of these guys and girls are only here because of what NIL opportunities they can be presented with. But for the most part, the, the, the bright side of it for me is that these girls and guys are being able to be compensated for, you know, their hard work and, and all of the, money that they bring to the universities by winning basketball and football and volleyball, softball games. So for me, um, you know, I, I personally, and I, and I might, I might have a little bit of bias for a guy like Kobe Brown because I mean, he stuck it out. He's paid his dues, you know, he's having a good year and, and uh, he's a fourth year guy. I think people grow, the heart grows more fonder to guys who people have seen grow from boys to men or girls who came in as young girls and are leaving as women. So in our case, if NIL would have been around, I think um, I think we all would have benefited greatly. Um, and, and the reason why is because number one, playing with that that tiger on our chest meant more to us than anything. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And um, now it's just trying to find. It's hard trying to find athletes who want to play for the University of Missouri, regardless of you know what NIL type of stuff is is thrown that way. So th- th- there have been instances, I think, where NIL has been an issue in the locker room. You know, maybe there's there's jealousy. Uh, it, it could, you know, maybe th- there's a guy, whether it's football or basketball, that's getting paid uh, an amount that you think you should be getting paid, so you're going to leave and go to another school, and then it just starts the cycle again of the of transfer portal. How difficult is it, you think, for a coach to handle the, the different personalities and the different – let's be honest, amounts of money that players are getting because that's part of being a coach, right? Creating good chemistry and keeping a, a team together like a like a family. How difficult is it, do you think, for coaches uh, to navigate that right now? It's um, it's extremely difficult for, for some coaches, to be honest. Um, this is, you know, I got to give a huge shout-out to Eli Drinkwitz and, and Dennis Gates. They both have done such a great job, them and, and their staff, um, of implementing, you know, non-disclosures and stuff of that nature. So um, that minimizes, you know, tension that can grow from players knowing what each other are getting. And uh, we don't, we haven't really had to deal with that. And, um, you know, and I will say this on the record, that a lot of what you read and what you hear is complete smoke screens. You know, a lot of these schools are saying that they have X amount of this in their account or they're paying this, 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 and this to players. That all just looks good. But in all reality, you see, you know, with the Florida situation, that what you see as far as the value, number value, those kids aren't really getting all of that. So uh, we try to be as discreet as we can. Uh, we just became a registered 501c3, which uh, means that we'll have to disclose some public records. Um, but other than what's required, we're going to always try to be as discreet as we can 
we'll be transparent with our donors or whatnot. But, you know, we don't want to cause any distractions in the locker room because at the end of the day, all of the people that are involved in our collective that we're, that we're doing either played here or have some ties to the university. And we want to see the university thrive and not have any extra day, uh, you know, games that we lose or whatnot. No other distractions that people can talk about or that can uh, lead to a bad light being shed on the university. Elbow, last one for me is just the hire of Dennis Gates to our, to our program uh, last spring and the job he's done to put a pretty much an entirely new roster together outside of a few. Obviously, you mentioned Kobe coming back. Um, what's kind of been your, your takeaway in just getting to know Coach Gates, uh, just your impressions so far, not just of what he's doing you know, on the floor, but what he's doing off the floor too and how he's building the culture within that program, which I, I know gets thrown around a lot, but it's, it's very important, and I think you're seeing it already of, of what this program is going to be under Dennis Gates, not just this year, but the years that, that are going to follow. Um, and just, as you know, when you make a coaching hire, it's all about the staff and, and the staff that's around, around Dennis Gates that can really help him and help this program move forward in the SEC. Well, you know, and I haven't said this to many people, but the situation reminds me a lot of Coach Anderson. Right. And the reason why I say that is because if you think about in 2008, he had a few guys here that were left over. Let's say leftovers. Obviously, we're not using that as an insult because those guys were very pivotal and great players. But then he brings in Keith Ramsey from junior college. Um, you know, he brings in five freshmen who were typically nobody. Let's be honest. You know, not not four star guys, not five star guys. And that's a very similar situation here. You know, Coach Gates brought in a lot of mid-major guys um, and, and added them to three guys who were left over in Caleb, Kobe, and Ronnie. And he's having a lot of success. Very similar to what happened with us in 2008. And, I mean, I think that we can attest uh, the success that they've had with Dennis Gates early to the culture, man. Like, you know, the camaraderie. And, and I'm fortunate enough to be around these guys all the time because I handle their NIL stuff. But, you know, they love one another. You see one, you see ten, very similar to how we were. Um, they celebrate each other's successes like we did. You know, whenever somebody gets player of the week, Coach Gates will come on record and say this is a team award that was brought to us in honor of Kobe Brown or by Demoy Hodge. That's the same type of mentality that we had. And, you know, when you have that camaraderie and that brotherhood, man, and not to mention, you know, Coach Gates, his offensive schemes and defensive Schemes, um, the way they play, playing that up-tempo style of basketball, it's exciting. Um, and not to mention the fans. You know, once, once you once you play exciting basketball, you get the fans back in the stands. That's the sixth man. That that really does hold weight. And to have sold-out crowds, I think the the team is benefiting from that. Um, you know, I think Coach Gates, coaching staff, T.Y. Young. I mean, he's incredible. He could easily be a head coach at a power five. Um, you got Smith Peters and Dickie Nutt who bring a lot of experience. Um, I think they're just doing things the right way. And I think Desiree Reed Francois, you know, her being a female, and I'm all about females. Um, I'm a feminist. I tell people this all the time, having a daughter and a strong wife. Um, she's doing an incredible job, man. Um, and, I, and I think that the University of Missouri Athletic Department is, is on the ascension, uh, headed towards the right direction. From football all the way down to tennis. I think um, now's the time to be really vested 
um, for people that want to learn more about NIL, uh, Every Few Tigers Foundation, we've just become the preferred collective of the entire Mizzou Athletic Department. We're servicing every sport, every gender. Um, I think the time is now, and uh, I look forward to seeing how we progress as a, as a university. So a uh, final question, if uh, there's a Mizzou fan out there listening or uh, an upcoming young professional like Jared Sutton thinking, I'd like to, to donate uh, to, the, uh, to the fund and try to help Mizzou Athletics, how do people go about that? Uh, it's very simple. Uh, we have a newly revamped, uh, revamped website at www.everytruetiger.org, E-V-E-R-Y-T-R-U-E-T-I-G-E-R.org. All right, and, you know, just keep calling Jared Sutton. He's got deep pockets over here. He's ready. No conflict of interest at all, but sure. That's right. (laughs) None of us Give my donation in. That's right. I want Jared Jared and I have money to go to his goddaughter, my daughter. That's right. There it is. I'll leave him alone for right now. When he becomes a GM, when he becomes a GM or assistant GM of the New Orleans Pelicans, then we'll talk. That's right. Now That's we're right. talking. Now we're talking. That's right. Elbow, I appreciate you coming on, brother. Love you and uh, appreciate all you do for Mizzou, man. It's uh, it's it's just uh, great to kind of see you in this this role now and that what you're doing for for athletes. And you know, I'm I'm big on you know athletes deserve to be paid just because it is a full time job. And you know, there's nobody better. I loved your uh, your emotion uh, with Kobe after the uh, the Arkansas win down in the tunnel. Um, you're you're just a great representative of the program and, and great representative of the university. So keep doing what you're doing, brother. Absolutely, bro. I love you more, and uh, I'll see you hopefully this weekend. Yes, sir. Alumni weekend back in Columbia. I can't yep. wait. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, Steve, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I hope to stay in touch with you guys, and uh, maybe we can push the NIL efforts forward in Kansas City because Lord knows we need to uh, we need to be in touch with that Kansas City uh, donor base. And Lawrence Stephen actually uh, would like to get uh, back to Columbia with with me, and, and uh, maybe we can get John Sunvold involved and just have, right. a, have a nice little uh, little Saturday. Let's get in after Columbia. Let's, get Let's after do it. Let's right. do it. We make that happen. All right, All right guys. So I appreciate you. All right, hey, Lawrence. Thank you. That's uh, Lawrence Bowers. All right. That's a pretty damn good first guest for us uh, on the on the podcast. It's great, it, especially just uh, listening to Lawrence because he's he's so important in just the story of of Mizzou basketball from when you know I was there under Coach A and you know him getting to to the to, to Columbia and that that class. But then he was there with the start of the SEC and Frank Haith and you know all those guys Jabari and I, I, Jordan. I forgot was a part of that that group that that was his first year in Columbia after that. So. You know, he was, he was at a pivotal time in the program's history and, and just as one of the better players to come through Mizzou um, and still doing so much in, in the community of Columbia. I call him the mayor of Columbia because he's, uh, you know, he's back home doing what he wants to do and um, the unbelievable family. My goddaughter, Fiore, is the cutest. So i got to give a shout-out to her um, since we uh, interviewed Lawrence. But great first guest. Great to have my, my college roommate, my college teammate, uh, and my brother as my first guest. Don't forget, charliehustle.com. You use the code House of Hustle and you can get 15% off the collegiate collection at Charlie Hustle, who uh, and great sponsors who make this podcast possible. Absolutely. Steven, it was great. We, uh, we'll get some more uh, breakdowns next, next pod and look forward to another interview of, uh, of another maybe Mizzou athlete uh, as we move forward. That is House of Hustle. Until the next episode, uh, we will be back here in about a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, thank you. And again, go to charliehustle.com and use that code House of Hustle. For Jarrett Sudden, I'm Stephen St. John. Thank you for listening.